0: But in Revelation chapter 5, starting in verse 9, I'm going to read out the King James Version. It says this. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. And thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Hallelujah. And hast made us unto, uh, unto our God kings and priests... To, um kings and priests and we shall reign where? Where are we going to reign? Where are we reigning at? Hallelujah. Now that's good news. That means you don't have to wait to go to heaven to feel like you're reigning. That's your own top. Yeah. You don't have to wait till you die to finally feel like you've overcome. Are you with me? Now, you understand Revelation is the, the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ, not the revelation of who the Antichrist is. And you understand the seals and the calamity that's happening on the earth is not the devil doing, it's God pouring out his wrath and judgment on humanity. Amen. And so, during that period, it's showing uh, the world how powerful God is, how mighty he is. And unfortunately, in this passage of Scripture, they were up in heaven, and it was like they were looking for someone who could be worthy to open the book and be able to tear open the uh, seals, and they couldn't find anyone. But then they, found, they looked over, and there was one that looked as a lamb who was slain. And his name is? What's his name? Come on, what's his name? His name's Jesus. Hallelujah. And so Jesus was found worthy. He was found worthy. And because he shed his blood, he made us unto God kings and priests. Amen. Now, we'll talk about that subject more next year. But there's kings and priests. But what I want to focus on this morning, it says, And we shall reign on the earth. Now, that's not in the end, though that is in the end. But we can reign now. For the Bible tells us, for as God in John's in, in one of the one two three uh, book of John, First John, I believe it's in First John, says, "As He is, so are we in the earth; so are we in this life, not in the life to come." So we've got to make sure that we start to focus our mind on what God wants to do through us now, yes. not what we'll receive one day when we get to heaven. Amen. Now, we do know this in a general sense that God wants us to tell other people about the king. To tell people about Jesus so they can be born again. But there's a reason why you're born again. It's not to escape earth so that you'll be in heaven when you die. You're to be born again so that you can take up the original mandate God had for both males and females. For both males and females. Jesus got into a conversation with some um, um, religious people uh, because, you know, Jesus had made a statement in one of his teachings, it's the Sermon on the Mount. He said, if you even, he said, you've heard the ancients say, which is my daddy said. You've heard the ancients say, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that if you even lust after a woman in your heart, you've committed the sin of adultery. Now, the religious people had a problem. The minute he made that statement because they knew the penalty for adultery is to be stoned. And now you've not even done the action, but he's saying you're worthy of death. And this messed them up. And they had multiple conversations with him about marriage after that statement. Well, he's happened to have that conversation here in Mark chapter 10. Uh, they came to him and said, now listen, Moses you know, uh, gave uh, declared for us to give a uh, certificate of divorce... You know, what do you say about it? And so he follows up and says, listen, uh, God permitted Moses to do that because of the hardness of your heart. This is the first legislation rolled out by the king into the earth to protect women. Because in order for a man to separate from his wife according to God's standard, is that the only way is that she would die. So instead of having her killed by the husbands because they want a different woman... He protected her by giving a certificate of divorce. Are you with me? So Jesus is saying, now that was permitted because of this reason. But then he makes this statement in Mark chapter 10, verse 6. He says, but from the beginning, say from the beginning. But from the beginning of the creation, God made male and female. 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 female. Now, at this point... He's not talking about marriage. He's talking about the purpose of male and female. Then, if male and female chooses to marry, there's a whole nother subject concerning marriage. But he's saying, now listen, if you would go back to the beginnings of creation, God made male and female, which tells us then there's some precedence that's happening in the book of beginnings. We call it the book of Genesis. Now, the majority of churches today minister from Genesis chapter 3 when Adam fell and, he, and sin entered the world. And they preach about sin. Now, sin exists. But the question we have to ask is what really is sin? You know, we identify sin by things, you know, stealing, killing. And those are sins, but the, the, the general definition of sin would just be this, disobeying God's word. So whatever God said, we disobey that. That's sin. That's what sin is. Because there's another scripture that says this. If a man knows what to do and doesn't do it, to him is sin. Amen. Which means you have a revelation of God's way to respond, way to act, way to do. And if you choose to not, you're in sin. Are you with me? Okay. So we preach about this sin and we need to be delivered from sin or we need to be saved from our sin. And so how do we get saved from our sin? We acknowledge that Jesus Christ became our sin. That he died on the cross. He rose from the dead. We confess him as our Lord. And we are born again, which means we are saved from our sin. Then at that point, the majority is thinking, well, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. Well, do you think you would rejoice if something miraculous happened in your life down here on earth? Would you rejoice if you had cancer in your body and God healed it? Would you rejoice if you had a limb ripped off and he grew another one? Would you rejoice if you had a need financially and God met it? Would you rejoice if God brought you uh, uh, someone to be your spouse and both of you went and and did the plan of God for your whole life? Could you rejoice over these things? You understand, we should rejoice about God right now. Amen. Would you rejoice if you were considered uh, uh, clinically insane and God renewed your mind and you walked with the mind of God? Would you rejoice if you were bound in depression and all of a sudden you had so much joy you could laugh in any circumstance and situation? You understand? God's not waiting for you to get to heaven to allow these qualities to show up. He wants them to happen now. But you've got to understand who you are as a male and a female according to the book of beginnings. We've got to understand this. Now, so let's go to the book of beginnings. Now, you've heard this passage before if you've been to Anchor Faith Church uh, for, for any time now. But remember, if you don't keep the word in front of you, you won't be in faith. Because faith comes from hearing, not from having heard. So again, when a scripture comes up and says, oh yeah, I've heard that one, well, that doesn't mean you're in faith about it. That doesn't mean you're walking out that verse for your life now. You could have a database of verses that aren't actually being real or producing the fruit of those verses in your life if you're not constantly hearing it, yeah. keeping it where that's who I am, that's how I live, that's what I do, yeah. that's who I am. Yeah. Amen. This is why that circumstance can't rule me because this is who I am. Yeah. Well, what does Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 say? say? It says this, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, here's man. is the spirit of man. It's not the gender of, uh, uh, that the spirit of man is in. Okay? There's a male suit and a female suit. All right? They say, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, which literally means this. Let's let them be a carbon copy of who we are. Let, let who we are and our DNA, so to speak, be their DNA. How we think, let them think. How we act, let them act. Okay, I'll go over here. How we are, they will be. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Said, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness." Notice in creation, God didn't just speak man into existence; He formed man out of the dust of earth and breathed Himself into man. Yeah. So, out of His realm or His substance, we became yeah. both male yeah. and female. All right. And he goes on and says this, and let them, say them. Them. Say them. them. Well, who's them? Male and female. Not man or male, but male and female. Let them. Let them. Let them what? Rule. Let them rule. Let them what? Rule. One translation says, have dominion. Let them rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So this is what we learn out of this passage of Scripture. In God's kingdom, both male and female have dominion rights. Both male and female have dominion rights. That means both male and female have the right to rule. And this isn't when you go to heaven. This is now. I said, this is now. You can begin to rule now. Now, who are we ruling? We're not ruling each other. See, this is why we struggle in elections. Because God never intended for another man or another woman to rule over each other. He always intended that he would rule. Because, first of all, God's not a man that he should lie, but he's not a man. He's God. So only God was to have supreme authority over man, male and female. And we were to submit and yield to him. But he gave dominion not only to the male, but to the female. Can I get an amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So he gave us dominion. And notice he didn't give this rule or reign to Adam and his wife in heaven. Adam is not in heaven when this reigning and this rule shows up. He's right here on planet Earth. That's why it's so important for us to recognize in the book of beginnings, which is what we consider the perfect chapters in the realm of the creation of the earth, it's God, Adam, and Eve in the garden, no sin. Sin hasn't entered the world yet. Hadn't come into planet earth yet. Are you with me? And then in Revelation 21 and 22, God had create a new heaven and a new earth. Oh, get excited about that. God said he'll create a new earth. If all we're going to do is live in heaven, why are we getting another planet? No, there's an earth, a new one that's showing up. And then the new Jerusalem is going to come down out of heaven to planet earth. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, there's a reigning there. But can we reign now? Yes. When we accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, we reign in life now by the Spirit, which means the dominion Adam lost, we received back by faith Through the grace of God, or by grace, through faith, um, by accepting Christ as our Lord, we become a new creature in Christ. Christ is the Greek equivalent to the uh, Hebrew word Messiah. And Messiah is the king who would come and establish his kingdom, and there would be no end to his rule. Hallelujah. See, the Bible's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. It's not a religious book at all. Man's gotten into religion because man is trying to touch God. God's kingdom touches man. Religion wants man to leave planet Earth, When uh, but the kingdom wants to empower planet Earth through man. Hallelujah. Now, if you die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, and he's in heaven right now. But do you know Jesus is coming back? And he's not coming back just to take the church. He's coming back literally to put his foot down on planet earth and rule it with an iron scepter for a thousand years. Woo, hallelujah. And guess who's going to come back with him? We are the saints. Glory to his name. So we need to get this dominion and this way to operate in ruling through God's kingdom in this life right now, both male and female. Okay, so let's go over to the creation of man in Genesis chapter 2. The Bible says that he formed him out of the dust of the earth, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He became a living spirit. Now, once that took place, then God began to do some things. And we start here in in the 15th verse... Of the second chapter of genesis it says then the lord god at this point is the first time we see lord god up until this point in genesis he's just been called god 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 okay but the minute he moves this into play he becomes supreme in authority god yes. of man yeah. which means adam was to listen to god and do what god said right. and by doing what god said it brought about god's nature yes. it brought about god's life it brought about God's character. It brought about his kingdom to manifest here on earth. Yes. Do, we, do, we, do we know that God wants to manifest his kingdom here on the earth? Yes. Well, sure we do if we would actually listen instead of just saying it, you know, for uh, repetition. Because we've heard it so many times. The Lord's Prayer. Can we do it together? Yes. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom, your will be on Earth. as it is, stop right there. First thing, it's our father, not Jesus' father. Man, if we could get revelation, it's our father. Amen. It's our father just as much as it is Jesus' father. We have a right to God the Father just as much as Jesus does. Nobody would even question in this sanctuary this morning uh, that Jesus could boldly talk to dad. God the Father on his throne. No one would question that Jesus, who's seated at the right hand of the Father, could turn and say, hey, Dad. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Nobody would question that. Yet we're in Christ. And the Bible tells us that we've been raised up and seated in heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. We have just as much right, as 1 John says, to boldly go before the throne of grace in the time of trouble. Hallelujah. Why? Because God has made us dominionaires. He's put dominion in us. He's given us the ability to rule over that which he uh, originally designed man to rule over, which was the circumstances of life in the earth and of God's creation, not each other. Are you with me? Okay. So, in verse 15, it says, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden, To cultivate it and to keep it now this is what we learn from this passage of Scripture this one verse we learn this the man must receive his purpose before given a wife God's just talking to Adam and he talks to him here's your purpose and there's no conversation of a woman So, because of that, this is what we know. Having a wife is not man's purpose. It's not man's purpose, is to have a wife. I need to get married. Do you? Do you qualify? You say there's qualification? There is according to scripture. Now you can do it your way, but you'll get your way results. You do it God's way, you'll get God's way results. Hallelujah. You'll have a heavenly marriage. It'd be a type and shadow of Christ and his church. It's an awesome thing. Love would just flow. Forgiveness. The character of God would flow. It'd be easy. Hallow, any trouble come, you'll deal with it. The commitment level is amazing when you do it the kingdom way. Right? So the first thing we need to recognize is that the male had an assignment or a purpose given to him. God's not talking to him about relationships with other things. He's talking about a relationship with him. This is why you're here. Yeah. You need to answer that question. Why are you here? Right. It's, not, it's not good enough to know that you were born. You need to know why you were born. That's right. And why God placed you here in this earth. Yeah. And why he placed you in this time. On, and why he placed you in this nation. Good. Because you could have been born in India. Right. Come on. Right. Your spirit could have went into the girl that we saw in um, our you know, orphanage that couldn't pick up her head. Come on. Yeah. Why not? Why could God not have put your spirit in, in that body? Right. So there's a reason why you're in the suit you're in. Right. And there's a reason why you're in the nation you're in. Yeah. And you need to find out. Yeah. Amen. Amen. God created man in his image yeah. because God's always working. Yeah. So he's got a plan for a man to help him do a work. Right. So he So having a wife is not man's purpose. So if we know that, then... Having a husband is not woman's purpose. And I just, I just can't wait to get married. I need to find me a husband. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't need to find a husband. You need to be directed to a man, of God. You need to be led to one. Amen? Okay. From there we go to verse 16. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, and this is the male, From any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat from it you will surely die. What does this tell us? First of all, we already know, according to the prior verse, is that God gave man purpose before he's talking about any other type of relationship. Just between me and God. Then, he gives him instruction in righteousness and equips him to model holiness. In essence, he's saying, now listen, now that you're on the earth and you're going to do my purpose, you're going to keep and cultivate this garden, there's some things you need to know to stay in alignment with me. You can eat any fruit of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the day you eat it, you'll die. And we've asked this question, if Adam had never eaten a fruit, where would he be today? Because if he never dies, if he doesn't eat the fruit, then you have to conclude he's right here on planet earth. Now, that shouldn't be shocking considering the guy still lived 960 years after he ate the fruit. The right. totality of his life, you understand. Okay? I don't know how old he was when he did eat, but when he ate it, then he lived up to 960 total. Okay? So God never intended us to die in the first place. Are you with me? This is why death is so troubling for us. When a loved one passes on, it's so difficult because it was something we were never supposed to experience. All right? So, but Adam does. We know this. So Adam doesn't fall from heaven. He falls from dominion. He doesn't lose a religion. He loses access to God's kingdom and the ability to rule the circumstances of his life while on planet Earth. Okay? So the next thing we see, that the man was instructed in righteousness and equipped to model holiness. God did not activate man's self multiplication mandate. Let me explain that. Because the Bible tells us in the 28th verse of the first chapter of Genesis that he was to one of the things he was to do. There were five things he was to do. Uh, he was blessed. Uh, he would be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and have and rule or, or replenish and replenish. Well, one of those is to multiply. Well, we already know that he put God put seed uh, uh, plants with fruit bearing seeds, so they would re- reproduce after their own kind. And then he did it with the animals. They would reproduce after their own kind. Now, how can Adam reproduce after his own kind? Until he has somebody. But he can't even talk to him about reproducing after his own kind until he does a couple things. One, you need to know my purpose. Number two, you need to know how to live right. So he doesn't even release or activate man's uh, self-multiplication mandate until God has empowered man to train the next generation with the character of God. He put it in Adam that once we start this process where you'll reproduce after your own kind, you can train the next generation of how to obey my word and how to live a life of holiness. Holiness just literally means separated unto God, doing God's way of life. And you want to do God's way of life. I said you want to do God's way of life. Amen? So, as we go on then in verse 18, it says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So, at this point, based upon that mandate to multiply, okay, he's realized, listen... Now that he knows his purpose, now he's been instructed in righteousness and equipped to model holiness. Now he knows how to give to train the next generation of what to do with God and what the king has said not to do so that they can maintain a life of righteousness. Now it's not good for him to be alone. Now. It's not good. Okay? Okay? And so he goes on, then it says that he'll make him a helper suitable. So what do we learn from this? God alone knows the helper suitable for each man. The problem is man's trying to figure out his own mate. And today's society, so are women. They're trying to, you know, get their own, you know, hookups. Trying to, you know, test drive, you know, vehicles, so to speak. (laughs) Well, let me try this one out. You don't try anything out if you'll just follow God. If you'll go after God's purpose for your life, live a life of righteousness and holiness, God has a way of moving 7 billion people that are in the planet and get the right one to you. And you'll see here in a moment why that's so significant. Because if you get the wrong one, there can the Bible already tells us because we are in the dispensation where, or we're in a world that's sinned and have fallen from God and that environment is still here. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 7 that when it comes to getting into a marriage relationship, you're inviting trouble. Now, I didn't say your wife was trouble. I didn't say your husband was trouble. I'm just saying trouble shows up. And why is it? Because your wife has dominion. The husband has dominion. And they've got to work that dominion together. And that can become a conflict. Especially if one decides, I'm going this way, and the other one says, I'm going this way. And God never wanted to put you together where you were going in two different directions. So every time I hear a minister say, you know, and get a divorce and say, well, we're going in different directions, I conclude because of the word of God, somebody heard God wrong. Somebody selfish. That is not, there is no way God ordained that. Because if we go back to Mark chapter 10 and we read from six on to nine, the last part of nine, verse nine of that 10th chapter says this, what God has put together, let no man Put asunder or divide or separate. So if that was your man or woman of God that you were going to do ministry with and fulfill the plan of God for your life, and all of a sudden now you're going in different directions, somebody's following the wrong road. So it's hogwash. I can use that in the book now. It's hogwash (laughs) to think that all of a sudden you have a divine plan by God separating from your spouse. It's hogwash. Now, I'm not going to get into all the intricacies of divorce because there are times that divorce takes place because sin has happened. You just need to make sure you're the righteous one the whole time. Are you with me? Because divorce is not an impardonable sin, unlike what religious people say. They'd act like it's an impardonable sin. No, there's only one impardonable sin, and that's blasphemy of the Holy Ghost. God forgives divorce all the time. Amen. He blesses remarried people constantly. Amen. Once it's under the blood, man, your sin is removed as far as the east is from the west. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I'm not talking about the subject of marriage, divorce, and remarriage today. I'm talking about male and females have dominion. Okay? So, God knows the suitable helper for man. Verse 19 and 20, here's where God all of a sudden begins to you know, cause the animals to come by Adam, and he names them. So when we see an elephant, it's not because God called him that. Adam did. That's right. Adam actually named him. So every animal we know today, it came by way of man naming them, not God. Right. God oh. created them, but man gave them the name. Yeah. Why? Because God, God's given man the ability to name and say something. That's right. Because that's part of his dominion mandate, yeah. his authority. But after it was all said and done... No, There was not a helper suitable for this man. What do we learn from this? Nothing in creation external to man will satisfy as a helper to him. Gentlemen, your job is not your helper. Your career is not your helper. That's an external work. You cannot feel more fulfilled in your job and think it's better than the spouse you have if you have one. Are you with me? Your job may be a tool. Do you understand me? It may be a tool, but it's not your identity. Your identity is to be in Christ. And that's why it's so sad when we go over to India because there's 6,000 gods over there. Okay? And there's a few that, you know, dominate as idols, which means man's made something eternal, external from him. And he's worshiping it and asking it to help him help me in life help me but they can't they're not suitable i said they're not suitable there's nothing external that is helpful to man it has to come from within when you get born again god deposits something within you he's called the holy ghost can i get an amen and jesus called him the helper hallelujah Guess what, ladies? When you got born again, he deposited someone on the inside of you. He's called the helper, and he's suitable. I said he's suitable, but it's internal, which means he will come and and speak to you so you can find self-discovery, so you can find out why am I on a planet in the first place. Man, this is what God's called me to do? This week, two things God spoke to me that I've said from this platform on more than one occasion, and he gave me some clarity on my trip to India. The first thing he did was when, if you hadn't seen the picture, I was standing for some students at, a, at a, uh, a school, and there was 1,500 in the afternoon. 2,000 that morning, we spoke to them first, and then we came out into the courtyard and spoke to the 1,500 that was on the afternoon shift. And there's a picture of me standing you know, on my arms out, something like this, you know, uh, probably you know, like I'm doing right now. And uh, but it's from the back, and there's just a sea of faces. And I heard the Lord say to me, He says, "Remember when I gave you the vision back in '93 when you saw yourself uh, preaching before uh, a sea of people, and you couldn't, you know, name, uh, you couldn't determine the the amount of people." He said that wasn't a one time event. He said that was a position you'll be in through the, your lifetime. And that's where I realized I'm I'm constantly in that position. Right now, I'm in that position. If you took a picture from behind, if you come to Kingdom Institute tonight, I'll be in that position. When you saw me there in India at that school, I was in that position. When I've gone to a conference in India and there were 10,000 people there, I was in that. It wasn't about how many people. It's that you'll repetitively be in this position speaking on behalf of the kingdom. The second thing he spoke to me was about Russia. Remember I told you, you know, I went to a church one time and there was flags all over the place. And the Lord spoke to me and said, every flag that you write down, I'll send you to that nation. So I went around, started writing down the flags. I didn't keep the list, unfortunately. Um, But, you know, I started writing them down and I put down Russia. And the Lord said, where's that flag? I said, oh, it's not in here. He said, well, then don't put it on. And I've said to you before, well, you know, apparently the Lord doesn't want me to go to Russia. Well, my flight over to India had a connecting uh, flight in Moscow. And I have to admit, I had to ask can I do this flight because of that conversation all those years ago this had to be in 1996 when this took place and the Lord spoke to me and he said this to me before 93 yeah, it was after 93 I think it was about 95 96 we were I think we were weighed at the time we were up in Jacksonville and um, so the Lord said to me he said it wasn't about Russia it was about you pick Russia and I told you to pick from the ones that were there. What I was telling you is don't go to any nation I don't tell you to go to. That was my point. So Russia could show up if the Lord wants me to go. Are you with me? But at this point, see, I didn't realize that. I just took it as, you know, can't go, it wasn't a flag. But the Lord's like, you picked that one, and I don't want you to be picking where you want to go. Paul had this. He wanted to go over to Asia, and the Lord wouldn't let him. So we went to Macedonia instead. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So I don't go and pick trips just because, oh, we haven't been to this country yet. No, I'm going where God says go. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. So that's some good th- news for me. I just thought I'd share that with you. Got to speak to you. Amen? Yeah. If you keep things in your heart. Anyway, um, so, so there's nothing external that's going to satisfy man. All right? So in verse 21, so the Lord calls a deep sleep. To fall upon man, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh uh, at that place. The Lord fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to man. This is what we learn. The woman came from the, from a, from the side of man, which tells us this. The woman's not under a man's feet, nor is a woman over his head. She comes alongside. Are you with me? Now, here's what's also significant as well. In God's kingdom, the woman is considered a co-laborer. And here's the next thing we learn. The purpose of God in Adam was already given to him. So when he pulled from Adam his own rib, she had his purpose. This is why when you start picking your own spouse, you may get someone who has a different purpose. Now, you may be here and say, well, I'm messed up. I understand that could seem to to be the place. John, we'll have you come down. We'll pray for you, deliver you. Because Mary's a good thing. You found a good wife, right? Amen. (laughs) That's right. So, um, with that being said, a lot of times we are picking people that it's not connecting. And we try to make things connect. But here's the thing. God will cause all things to work out for the good for those who are called according to his purpose and who love him. So even if we came in it wrong and we get right with God, God can do a new work in us. Hallelujah. Amen. My wife and I didn't start this relationship right. Right. According to the word of God, it was wrong. Should have ran. Both of us should have ran away from it all. But we chose. We did. And the mercy of God. I said the mercy of God. And then after some time, he spoke to me. I spoke to her about this purpose of preaching. She said, I'm not married to a pastor. So I started calling those things that be not as though they were. You're a woman of God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. Well, she came alongside. Why? Because she got the vision. And as a result of that, she's just as powerful in the pulpit and in some subjects more so because of the anointing. Amen. So we're not in competition. What we are, we are co-laboring together to get this thing to come to pass. Hallelujah. Now, when you co-labor, there's going to be some friction. When you co-labor. Because labor itself is work. And work, by definition, is friction. All right? Friction shows up. Why? Because she has dominion. God gave her dominion had her the ability to rule so that she could have dominion over her circumstances in life. And if I'm dragging around and, and being lazy and not pushing, and she's like, we got to get this purpose. You're going to have to get up. This morning, I wasn't feeling the best, man. Went to India, ate all kind of food over there. <laughs> I, was, I was longing for U.S. food. Longing. Doesn't take long to long for U.S. food after I've been to India. And I'm just tired of chicken, man. I'm tired of chicken, okay? I'm like, I don't want to see chicken again, right? That's kind of where I'm at. I don't want curry on chicken. I don't even want chicken right now, okay? (laughs) Anyway, um, so I'm longing for some beef. (laughs) So we went to TGI Friday, and I found some beef. Well, it didn't sit right at all. I mean, I was all bloated. I didn't sleep good last night. I was burping, man. It was like, and I kept tasting that hamburger. So I got up a little bit earlier, I, you know, was praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want to do? I'm just real. I'm real. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> anyway, I, you know, I prayed. I was talking to them. I said, I'm the healer of the Lord, you know. Because, honestly, I didn't feel it, but it was working. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, I didn't feel it. I could have easily said, Pastor Mike, you got it this morning. I'm still, I mean, I could have legitimately used an excuse, Okay. Based upon my feelings. But I'm like, no, I'm the hill of the Lord. So I prayed in the spirit. I did some confession, did it. Well, by the time I started going, I let my wife know. I said, I said man, I'm just like, wow, feeling it. You know, took some gas X, You know, so now I'm in there fixing my hair. So my wife walks in and she goes, well, you going to start praying in the Holy Ghost? You know, I ain't hearing you in here praying in the Holy Ghost. Now she wasn't getting on to me. She was like, you got to do your purpose. And you can't be going in sick or feeling bad. And, and it only healing come if you're saying something. She knows this principle. So I looked at her and I said, I have been praying in the Spirit. I said, now, I'm not like you where you can pray in the Holy Ghost and fix your hair. I'm trying to figure out what's going on with this thing. I'm distracted. What am I Is this right? Does that look good? Can I get a hairdresser at my house every morning? You understand what I'm saying? You know, I mean, I'm trying to figure this thing out. Praying in the Holy Ghost is not on my agenda right now by just trying to fix my hair. Right? She wasn't against me. She wanted me to walk into healing. So she said, you know, I got some Alka-Seltzer. That could work. I thought, okay, I'll take that as I go. So I did. Praying in the Holy Ghost all the way here. You know, burped a few more times. And here we are. Preaching the second service. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. So the Lord's faithful. What I'm saying is we come along together because she has dominion. I have dominion, and we work this thing. All right? So she has a part. She's a co-laborer with me. All right? you got to understand, according to Galatians chapter 3, I'm not going to go into these scriptures in detail for the sake of time, but in Galatians chapter 3, verses 26 through 29, the Bible talks about, especially in verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. Listen, there is a, a, a way, ladies, that you rule, and God gave you that. And you need to walk in it. With great power and authority and confidence it would actually be prideful to not exercise your dominion to keep a well I'm unworthy I don't deserve it I don't deserve nothing God I, God made you worthy so basically you're calling yourself trash when God calls you righteous and there's a problem because Isaiah talked about in the end time they'll call us good evil and what's evil good but believers are practicing this themselves. Well, you know, I'm just no good. You know, I, I you know, I mean, if it weren't for God, God's doing this and God done that, man. I'm just, I, I feel so unworthy. I can't even believe He's done this for me. And the Lord's thinking, Rise up, son. I put a robe of righteousness on you, man. I got a ring on your finger, son. I put a crown on your head. Go walk in authority. Go walk in dominion. Go overcome in life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God gave us this. I use this example when I was in India. If I was downstairs and Gary was four stories up and I wanted to ride his motorcycle and say, Gary, come down and crank up your motorcycle for me so I can go somewhere. And he throws down his keys and I catch them. And I sit down and put them in and then I cry, oh, Gary, please come. Please come, Gary. Please come and crank up your motorcycle. Please come and do it. Gary doesn't show up. A week later, I'm still in the alley crying out to Gary, or God, so to speak. Come down, please. Gary he finally shows up and is like, What are you doing? Man, I've been praying that you would come and crank up your motorcycle. He said, He'll say this, I gave you the keys. A lot of us are crying out, trying to get God to move something. When God says, I've given you the keys of the kingdom, walk in your authority, take your dominion, say what I say, speak what I speak, believe how I believe, and it'll come to pass. Now, here He's doing the work, but not independent of your mouth and your faith. He does it sometimes just to let you know that he wants you to operate that way. But if you continue to resist, then he'll let you sit there with a whole bunch of keys on the side of the road going nowhere. And then hold you accountable for not cranking it up yourself. Hallelujah. So you understand, co-laboring is not under, nor is it over, but equal access to the kingdom by faith, by right. So male and female are equal in this thing because we both have equal access to the kingdom of God. My wife had just as much boldness to go before the throne of grace in a time of trouble just as I do. She don't have to wait till I come home to start believing God and declaring God's word. If one of our children were sick growing up, she'd have to say, when your dad comes home, he's going to pray for you because I'm submitted to him. He's the head of the house. No, she, that dominion would rise up and say, in the name of Jesus, get off. Amen. I've seen my wife cry out to Jesus before I do. I remember one time we were on a road, man, and it was kind of wet, and I had some kind of bald tires at the time, and all of a sudden I come around a corner and just start to slide, and I'm doing 360s in the middle of an interstate. So I am focused on get it under control. My wife says, Jesus, Jesus. She didn't wait for me to get an agreement. She declared the name that's above every name, and we needed Jesus. And so while my, my hands are working a wheel, she's working a mouth and was doing more of a work than I was. And when she took that dominion, we slid and bumped into a guardrail as if an angel said, okay, stop. No dent, no nothing. 60 miles an hour doing 360s in, a, in, a, in four lanes of traffic on an interstate with cars behind us. But God. Amen. Females, you don't have to wait for a man to get up in here and get some dominion. Nor do I have to wait on my wife to have, get, and and dominion. The good thing about our husband-wife relationship is we can enact this thing called the prayer of agreement. Hallelujah. And I can get that thing operating as well. But I thank God she knows. I'm a co-laborer, man. Me and my husband, we're working this thing together. Anchor Faith Church is not where it's at today because I've been doing something without her. Anchor Bay Church is not where it's at because we've been doing something by ourselves. It's because you've taken dominion, because you're walking in your authority, because you are taking your dominion mandate. Hallelujah. And if we went and read, took the time to read Romans 4, 9 through 24, I trust you'll just go read yourself. You'll find out that Abraham, who's the father of faith, the father of us all, that this thing was for all of his descendants, and his descendants were not to males only. It was to male and female. So if you're a single lady, take dominion. You're submitted to God, submit to him, man, submit to his word. As a a man, I'm submitted to God. If I was a single man, I'd be submitted to God. Whatever he says, he has the final say. It's not until you get into the covenant of marriage that the female says, okay, I have dominion, but I give up my right to have the final word. I give it to you. And as a husband, then I say, I will take the responsibility of having that final word, but that final word will always match up with the Lord. And if it's not, I'll trust I'll be able to hear you when you hear it right. Just like Abraham. Sarah says, get rid of that woman. It's like, man, I mean, I don't want to get rid of that woman and her child. You know, it's my son. I don't want to get rid of them. He says, you need to get rid of them. They're not going to be raised up with my son. It's like, man, I don't know, man. I mean, I don't really want to put them down the road. And the Lord says to Abraham, do what your wife said. Man, we'd get a lot further if we would pull on the dominion of our wives. I said we'd get a lot further if we could pull on the dominion of our wives. Amen. Anything my wife says, I'm going to line it up with the Word of God. She ain't going to be just talking stupid stuff, you understand. It's going to have to line up with the Word, with the purpose, with the plan. Amen. I take things into consideration. She'll say things. I don't know if we should do that right now. Okay, I'll take that in consideration. But if I believe we are, then we are. And I won't pull back. And I'll drive on. And it'll take place. Hallelujah. Amen. So we come together. Let's finish out these two verses of Genesis 2. Now we're in verse 23. Now I'm going to get into the husband-wife relationship. But know this. Male, female, you have dominion by right. Because, listen, the Bible tells us, in life you're going to have trials and tribulation, but be of good cheer. He's overcome the world. And since he's overcome the world, you've overcome. If you'll just exercise your faith. How is it that we get victory in the world? By our faith. And you don't have to wait for somebody else to exercise faith. You can do it yourself. Amen? Genesis uh, uh, 2, 23 says, And the man said, This is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. Uh, She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So we understand this. When you find the one, when God brings the one to you, there's something about purpose that should jump. Ladies, you shouldn't want any guy that's not, first of all, uh, knowing his purpose with God, knowing how to live righteously and living righteously, and know how to instruct Because when you have kids, you need a man that's not going to quit church. And trying to train your children that you got to work for a living. No, you don't work for a living. You live by faith. Work's just something you do on the side that you bless people with. Well, if a man don't work, a man don't eat. Yeah, but if the man ain't working for the Lord, then he labors in vain. Are you with me? So you don't want somebody raising your kids that's telling there's another way than God's way. Nope, you want somebody that can model it to the next generation. Okay? And men, you don't want some woman just because she looks good. It's amazing how many people get caught up on, uh, on facial things alone. Now, I understand the argument. is, Well, God wouldn't give me somebody that I wouldn't be attracted to. I understand you're going to get... You, I understand there may be a level of that. But there's so many that's been disregarded because you want to look your way. You cannot find in Scripture that God ever looks at outward appearance. In fact, very clearly in the picking of David the king, he told Saul, God is not a man that he looks at the outward appearance, but he looks at the heart. And if you would begin to look at the heart, I would much rather be with a woman of God, which I am, than someone that just looked good and is a constant drip. That's what the Bible says. I'm trying to fulfill God's plan, and you're nagging. Okay. So what do we learn from verse 23? How a man treats his wife is an indicator of his revelation of his creator king. I know the revelation a man has about God, the way he treats his wife. Because my king laid down his life for me. And the Hebrews tells us in verse 5 that Christ and the church is a type and shadow of the husband and wife, and the husband is the Jesus type, the wife is the church type, and before uh, before the church ever came into existence, Christ died. So he didn't need a response. He just needed to do his purpose. Hallelujah.